everyone. Welcome back. This is Needed Conversations with Victoria and Ryan Cole. Well, we're so glad that you joined us. Um, if you listened to last uh, week's episode, then you know that we're in the summer of love. Yes. And we're talking about all things dating, marriage, relationships. Um, wh- what is God's design for marriage? How do you date God's way? How do you set yourself up for success? And this is all leading up to on July the 22nd and the 23rd, we are hosting a two-day webinar for singles, dating, and engaged. And, engaged. Mm-hmm. and we're going to be giving you some really awesome principles to help set you up again for lasting love. And so over the next two weeks, we're going to be focusing in on um, what are the qualities of a wife and what are the qualities of a husband? And we're titling this one, Are You Qualified to Be a Wife? We're talking about the women today. Yes. I think it scares uh, some people when they hear that, but it, it really begins when you're single to start the preparation period. I think so many of us kind of even disregard the period of singleness and enjoy the time, so to speak. YOLO, you know, you live once and want to test out everything. So whenever you actually end up getting to a place where you feel like, okay, what is my next? When am I going to get married? Then you look back at your life and you're like, wow, I really didn't really invest in myself, you know? And so this is really the time, kind of like what we talked about, you know, celibacy was way back uh, episodes. We talked about celibacy and how we uh, chose to walk this life uh, before marriage. But I think that uh, this is the time for you to really start preparing uh, yourself because you don't want to try to attract the best person, but you're not the best person uh, you know, presented to your spouse because you haven't even worked on yourself. So this is what we're really focusing on. It starts at the very beginning. Yeah. Last week we talked about the eight misconceptions of marriage. And uh, number one was that myth of there's only one person out there. And if you listen to that episode, you know that we concluded that the one is the one you choose and also the one is the one you become. Yeah. So both of that and That's so good. many people have these high standards and they should as to what they want in a spouse. And I encourage a lot everyone really to begin to identify those characteristics that are needed in a helpmate, because that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for, um, you're not just looking for someone based on physical attraction. You're looking for someone who has um, temperaments, core values, character that will enable both of you together to have a common vision, a common goal to just make the world a better place and just really understanding what that looks like And then setting the bar for yourself just as high and say that if I'm looking for these qualities, I'm looking for a man to be disciplined, then I'm going to be disciplined myself. I'm looking for a man with a prayer life, then I've got to have a prayer life myself. That's good. You know, all of these things that we project on other people, we've got to be that first. You be the one you're looking for. Yeah. And you mentioned last week's episode, which is really good one. You should go check it out. Uh, we talked about how um, a lot of times whatever you see in the other person in the marriage is really a reflection of what's going on in you. 
And so this is the moment to really address those issues and really work on yourself so that you, like you said, you can be the best version uh, for that person. And God really can cultivate your character uh, to get you ready for the next season because it is going to come with challenges. So you're going to be better prepared if you're going to allow God to work on you while you're single or while you're engaged. You know, in my book, I Love You More, Most and Forever, I have an entire chapter that deals with... um, gender, gender roles, how we perceive gender roles in today's society. And I encourage you to go uh, pick up that book from my website, ryancoleempowerment.com. But just to kind of highlight some of those main points, you know, we oftentimes distinguish gender by, um, by the roles that we play in society. And a lot of those roles are actually expired because we no longer have a need for survival in the way that we did back even a hundred years ago. And I talk about how, you know, modern dating, dating for love is really a new concept. It's really only about a hundred years old. And then you add modern technology um, to the equation. And then that kind of throws, um, you know, us for a loop when it comes to to how we date, how should we look for a spouse? What is appropriate? You know, should I use a dating app? All of these things. And what am I looking for in a spouse? And kind of breaking down those traditional mindsets that a woman is supposed to be this and a man is supposed to be this. And in a nutshell, what I do is I go to Genesis and I talk about gender um, from the perspective of creation and the fact that God created one human being. He created Adam. And inside of Adam, he had them. It says in the beginning, uh, you know, all of God created the heavens and the earth. And then on down, it said in verse 27 of chapter one, so God created man, Adam, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male, zakar, that's that Hebrew word, and female, nakaba. And I may be pronouncing that wrong. He created them. So he was one human being, but he had both genders kind of built into the fabric of who he was. Yet it wasn't enough that he be just this one entity. The femaleness had to be pulled out of him. But the interesting thing about that femaleness that was pulled out of him It wasn't just a reference to the biology differences or just a reference to, you know, what she looked like physically, but more so a reference to her ability to become a wife and a mother and his ability, apart from that nature that was pulled out of him to become a husband and a father. And so when we look at gender from this perspective, we're not looking at all of these societally imposed Um, roles that we play. Women are supposed to do this. The color for women is pink. The color for men is blue. And all of these kind of um, culturally induced roles that, that we tend to fall in traditionally. Instead, we look towards, okay, what makes you a man is in your ability. God put it inside of you to become a husband and to become a father. And in her ability to become a wife and a mother. And even if you have problems with infertility, mm. if you have a, you know, a physical restriction that prohibits you from 
having children, there is still an inherent nature about you built into your DNA to either mother or to father, to either be a husband or to be a wife. And so I I tell people, you know, um, when, when Adam woke up out of his sleep, when God put him to sleep, he woke up not to a woman, he woke up to a wife. And that's what that I remember when we, when you were writing that book that was so interesting the Genesis one twenty seven how even before like that was the revelation for me that even before the person was in like a physical form that the Bible says he created them that it was a togetherness mm. it was a put together and I'm like I've never seen that before for some reason I thought oh yeah Adam was created first and then he was put to sleep and then you know that's how cartoons show it all the time. But that makes it so much more profound that, you know, in the beginning, there was like one, that oneness, and then God separated them. And like you said, that they have the role as a wife and a husband. And that's even says in Genesis that it wasn't a woman. A lot of translations say woman, but it was a wife. That's a big difference. That he pulled out of Adam wife. A wife. And and then get this. She didn't even get her name until they were walking out of the garden. Mm. She was not known as Eve. So what did he call her? He called her wife. He called her Adam wife. And she still carried that name Adam in as much as he did. Mm. Except now he was known as Adam husband. So she called him husband and he called her wife, Adam wife. They still bared the image of man. They were man together as two separate entities yet coming back together as one flesh they revealed this spectrum of gender i know the lgbtq like that word so let me just go ahead and put it out there the marid- marital institution the union of a man and a woman is the only way that we are able to get the full spectrum of maleness and femaleness because it's this one flesh coming together this supernatural power that god designed and let me take it further i know victoria's sitting there looking at me i, I know i'm going into teaching mode but think of it from a scientific perspective right It's the splitting of cells almost Mm -hmm. to multiply. Mm -hmm. And you take something like an atom, which is the smallest um, known uh, particle, basically the element that that pulls life together. And there's there's, you know, countless atoms all around here. We're made up of atoms. Right. And it's so interesting that he their name was Adam, A-D-A-M. But the atom, um, it has, you know, all of these different elements to it. And if you split the atom and bring it back together, then you create this multiplied force. And this is how, you know, they came up with the equations that gave us the atomic bomb. Mm. because it was the splitting of the atom and bringing it back together, which caused this multiplication of the power that each each particle had in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And so you see this when God was by himself. It was God and the angels, right? And God said, I, I've got to expand my glory and power. The only way to do this is to create earth, right? And then take a piece of myself, man, 
and put it in that earth, right? Because he breathed into us, we're made in the image of God. So in fact, when he put us in the earth, and then when he comes uh, to commune with us through prayer and through worship, we create this supernatural power, almost like an atomic bomb, right? And this same idea was then translated into the next aspect of life, which was creating the marital institution. Mm. He said, it's not man that it's not good that man be alone. Mm. And you know why he could say that? Because he could relate to it. Mm. Imagine God with all of the angels, right? Just like Adam was with all of the animals, right? And the mm. animals served him. That's good. But even the angels could not satisfy this something on the inside of God. God mm -hmm. had a need mm -hmm. and you were the solution to that problem that God had that need because you, because you um, connect with him in a way that angelic beings are unable to connect. And in the same way do husbands and wife. And that's why God said it's not good that man be alone. So he pulled out of him the wife. And when the husband and the wife come together, I'm convinced it's the most powerful institution that we have. Even the church, we're called the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's an image again of Jesus, the groom, having to die, being put into a grave so that the church could be pulled out of him. He was asleep for three days. I wonder how Adam, how long Adam was asleep. Mm. But you have these unique aspects of maleness and femaleness that are reflected in our nature as husband and wife. Even if you're single, even if you will always be single for the rest of your life, let's say you never get married. And some of you are like, no, <laughs> if you never get married, you still have that wifeness or husbandness on the inside of you. And you'll see it come out in different ways. You'll see it come out in your career. You'll see it come out in your relationships, whether you're a mentor or a teacher or, you know, an auntie or an uncle, you'll see these characteristics come out. Well, so your that, first and foremost relationship is with God. So that's what that sure. to play because he's your bridegroom. Mm. So you are the you are the church, you yourself. So regardless whether you have a spouse right now, uh, you you have a groom. And so this is your first priority is really to uh, pull from the source of of love. And he would teach you and help you multiply the ta the talents and the gifts that he gives you uh, the ability and give you the wisdom. Uh, you know, uh, as we were talking about this, um, or as you were talking about, I, I um, looked up Genesis one twenty eight, where it says God blessed them and gave uh, and uh, said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And it's interesting that God spoke that multiplication over them. Like when you come together there, you have the ability to also multiply and bring off offsprings because that's what God yes. wanted. So he split one person, created two, and then he called that to these people and said, multiply. Yep. Which is it's, incredible. It's, it's very incredible. In fact, that dominion mandate is something that carries throughout the Bible. It's be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You're wanting to know your purpose as a human being. That's what we're mandated to do. That was the instruction of God. And the only way that we're able to fulfill that in full obedience to God is in understanding our unique are 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 separate but equal 
natures as male, husband, and female, wife. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, and I feel like that that has been distorted over the years, you know, because there was so much oppression. Um, that's what the enemy wanted, you know. I think the enemy wants us to be confused about who we are. And so I think that he used people to suppress specific genders. And I think that over time, I think that we have this stigma attached to a specific gender. And we think that that's because that's what we've done for years and years and years. That's exactly what it should be. And that's what defines a man. That's what defi defines a woman. Like a woman and, stays and at home. And we want to try to break free from those restrictions because we feel entangled like if we don't fit into the mold that society says that a man or a woman should fit into then we feel like well somehow i'm inherently in the wrong body or something you know yeah, that's true and i understand um people who you know proclaim as transgendered because i feel in a lot of ways misunderstood mm -hmm. as as a man who, you know, people look at our relationship and see it sort of as traditional, right? If mm -hmm. you don't know us. Right. Because they see you at home with the kids. They see me working, you know, they see this traditional dynamic. They don't see the entrepreneurial endeavors you've got going on behind the scenes. They don't see how involved I am with the children. And so they assume that we fit into the mold. But technically, Victoria and I are the furthest thing from traditional that you could really be. In mm -hmm. fact, Victoria, if something breaks around the house, she's probably the first one to go fix it. If, you know, I'm I'm the one who's talking more. You know, they say women use more words, men use less words. Well, that's not with Victoria yeah, and I. It's I'm completely the, opposite. I'm the quiet one. <laughs> what, el what else is kind of uh, anti-traditional about our relationship? Um... I don't know. I mean, I, I like woodworking. I like right. to work with woods. I, I like uh, tools. <laughs> I mean, I would rather buy pieces of furniture than a piece of clothes, uh, clothing, which I mean, I like fashion, but you love fashion. And, you know, not like in a flamboyant way, but you just like fashion. I, in general. I love anything you, creative. You like, you like, you know, architecture. You like art. You're very like artsy. There's this term music. called metrosexual, and that's not anything to do with like uh, in relation to homosexuality or any like who you're sleeping with. Metrosexual is a term they came out with to describe kind of even a straight man who has this sort of um, creative or uh, emotional in touch with your yourself kind of vibe about him and that's kind of me you know yeah i just hate all these labels i do too I nobody that's the thing is nobody understands them and from what we hear it's like over a hundred now like it's it's hard it's so complicated to understand what's truly going on but really one of the things that we've talked about a, a while back is that the reason why people are experiencing all these things is because there's really they don't know who they are they don't know their mm -hmm. purpose. And um, that's, again, um, we have to lean into our the original place where we came from. The You know, we were created by a creator. And so when we move away from uh, not really truly finding ourselves in God, because it's like being, it's like a car coming from a manufacturer, but we're looking somewhere else to try to figure out the manual, you know? So if we were created by God. He is the 
the artist, yes. I guess. So we ought to go and, you know, consult with him like, God, why do I feel the way I do? What are some of the things that I can do or contribute to the world? Give me wisdom. That's what if you read like Psalms, that's one of the places that I like to start is Psalms um, and Proverbs is really good for wisdom is, you know, David talked a lot in Psalms about God, give me wisdom or mm-hmm. it was Solomon, Solomon, who consulted with God all the time. He said, God, give me wisdom. Yes. Even though he was supposedly the wisest man ever known, you know, mm-hmm. and the wealthiest person. So. And, it, and it was because he was humble, you know, but what you're saying is very important. It's it, you're talking about identity and uh, the reason why there's so, so many gender labels now and the reason why people are confused about their gender, it speaks to this inherent aspect of every human being. We have the in, an inherent need and want to be recognized for our uniqueness. And the fact is, you are unique. You don't fit into a mold. You don't uh, uh, conform to the standards. You are special and chosen and you don't have to be like everybody else right and you can throw those socially and culturally induced gender barriers out the window because they're not of god they were built on needs for survival and you can learn more about that in my book but you should focus in on what are the biblical roles that god says that, that I should function in, not just as a woman or a man, but as a husband and a wife, a potential father and a potential mother. What are those quali- Do I qualify yet to step into that, that function? You know, and that's what God does from, from the time we're born on up into adolescence is he starts shaping these characteristics in us. And so you have societal roles, which you can throw out. You have biological roles, things that we're called to do. My wife has a womb. She can carry a child. She can nurture a child in a different way um, than I can. I have seed. Seed speaks to destiny. It speaks to my prophetic ability as a father to, you know, speak into the future and direct my children. It speaks, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that more next week. But specifically for a female, that what you need to look at are not the societal roles, do the dishes, you know, stay at home with the kids, um, dress, dress uh, uber feminine, make sure you have all your makeup right, all of these, what are these stereotypes? But instead, you should look towards the biblical roles and your biological uh, function as a, as a woman, as a wife and a potential mother. So what are some of those those roles and and where should you focus on if you're a woman, Victoria? So a woman, in order to become a great wife, uh, we're going to give you three three tips. Uh, Refine and strengthen your God given relational skills. And that's something that we talked about is really first and foremost, have that relationship with God. And I think that he will give you guidance in order to have good relationships with other people around you, because that's going to be important, especially once you, uh, you know, get married and have a husband and learn to communicate and, you know, step into that role. And this is in preparation to to step into that role of a wife. Exactly. So say that again. Refine Refine and strengthen strengthen your God-given relational skills. 
Number two, learn how to pray effectively. And you could speak a lot on that because you wrote your first book was called Constructing Paradise and it's on, mm -hmm. on prayer, which is really good. So if you do struggle with praying, um, I think that that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Pick up that book as well. It's really good. I have when I heard a lot of people tell me their feedback in regards to this book, they actually had to write notes. Uh, you know, some books you read through and it's like so superficial, but it's really deep. It'll really help you to understand prayer and um, really really teach you how to pray effectively. And then also choose your words carefully because wives, uh, you are created to help, you know, your husband. And this isn't just an extra set of helping hands. Um, this help is really relational. So a wife uses her words as a creative force to build her husband up with praise and affirmation, but she must be careful because her words have great destructive ability as well. Yeah. And, and so when you look at a man and a woman or a husband and a wife, they're not all that different. And I love how Dr. Caroline Leaf puts it in her book. She talks about the male brain and the female brain, which science has shown that there are differences, mm -hmm. right? So when most people say that a man is work driven, they're driven by their careers, they're driven by, you know, uh, finding purpose in what they put their hands to where a woman is really driven by their relationships. And so the misconception is that a woman will never be interested in work. And the misconception is that a man will never be interested in deep and intimate relationships. Hmm. And that's a fallacy. The truth is in how we approach both of those, right? A woman can be interested and in even more so in work and career and pursuing those kind of callings and aspirations as much as a man would, but in how she approaches it, right? She approaches her work through the lens of how she relates to people around her. That's good. And the man in like manner approaches his relationships and he can be passionate about friendships, marriage. He can connect on a deep and intimate level, but the man is going to connect to his relationships in proximity and as to how it relates to the work that he's going to accomplish, That's if good. that makes sense. Yes. So the wife is also called to work, um, but her first assignment was a, a relational work mm. right so women men, men um when he 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 is really works driven when when uh when adam uh fell asleep he had already given been given his role to tend to the garden etc when uh the wife was awoken and she was um you know made alive and aware she was faced with a man she was faced with you know a relationship problem that she was called to solve. Dr. Trim says that women are natural problem solvers. Mm. And that's totally true that you've got this inherent ability to fill in the gaps. And that's why women are more often intercessors and you've got, and that's why we put in that, uh, the top three, learn how to pray effectively. And really it's, it's not just learning like you don't already have it in you, but uncovering this inherent ability to pray, to intercede. You know, they say there's nothing like a praying grandma or a mm -hmm. praying mom. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, that men aren't called to pray. It's just there's something built 
within your spiritual DNA and even in your physical DNA to stand in the gap. But you know know what? Like even in the Genesis, we see the power of uh, woman's persuasion uh, when Eve presented the fruit to Adam. Yes. And then he blamed her for it. But the enemy knew who to approach. So you ladies have to really be careful because, uh, you know, in the Bible, it says that, too, that we uh, have the ability to build a husband down or uh, bring him up with our words. So it's very important that we not only learn our purpose and our identity in God, because he's going to really teach us what to speak to ourselves. Because, again, in, in marriage, you're going to reflect what's inside of you. So if you have hatred and bitterness and uh, distrust, um, you are going to project that onto the spouse, onto your husband. And so I think that that's why we deal with so many problems even stepping into marriage, because we you know, we, we face a lot of these issues on the inside of us. Therefore we speak negatively, you know? Mm. So we first have to see ourselves through the light and the lens that God sees us so that we are able to build our husband up. So let's talk a little bit more about, about the woman, right? She's distinguished in the name that was given to her. Um, and the, the word wife actually means grace and favor. Mm. And uh, there's a Proverbs that says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I I said that about Victoria when I met her, because women are master negotiators, but they also can be manipulators. Mm -hmm. Women are, uh, women are treasures. You see um, Abraham and Sarai, and he goes into the the city and he has to um, say that it's his sister. Because she's got this thing about her and she was old, yet she was still something to be, you know, wowed over. Mm-hmm. And so we we see that he even her favor was so much that he had to like hide her a little bit as to not be like, you know, you, you know what I understand? In, to get in trouble. Right. And so women, you are full of grace and you are full of of favor and also you're prophetic by nature Hmm. i know victoria is almost like the eyes in the back of my head and i will go into a situation and be like you know fully engaged and overlook all of these things that i should be paying attention to and we'll get in the car and she'll say but did you see this and what about that person oh i noticed this and she can just pick up what's going on in a room They're highly prophetic. They're highly discerning. Um, You know, and I say husbands are very apostolic and wives are very prophetic. And if you study the roles of an apostle and a prophet, you see that they work hand in hand. They're almost equal co-laborers in this building of a church. Mm -hmm. And so are the husband and the wife, right? You see this structure paired with a keen insight. You see this order paired with prophetic intuition and you see this combination just kind of unfold in how the family unit is set up and how even Victoria and I parent really. Mm-hmm. So um, I think a woman is inherently um, prophetic because she's physically got a womb. Mm. And that speaks to her ability to nurture. But I love how Dr. Miles Monroe put it, you know, a woman will give you back multiplied whatever you give her. Mm. Right. 
you give her a seed, she'll give you a baby. You'll get, you give her, um, you give her a bag of groceries and she'll give you a meal. You give her a house, she'll give you a home. All, and so he then went on to say, you give her hell and she'll give you damnation. So, and this is what we actually talked about last week too, about communication. Uh, remember having disputes and coming together. This is why, um, the power of sex is so powerful that yes. it's not something to be played with especially if you're single and you're just being frivolous because honestly you're connecting your soul with another soul and there has there is some other communication that is happening that you don't see it's like a spiritual realm so there's soul ties and that's why a lot of times uh, when you talked about uh, at the conference about you know when when we step into uh, that intimate relationship with a person we interweave our dna and then we uh -huh. get we we pass different kind of demonic things that that person may be dealing with yeah it's and a then, spiritual transference for and real. then we we are confused as to why we feel the way we feel or why we're we don't understand ourselves because we we, we done taking this on and maybe you're the person that is struggling with that right now and i just i, I just pray right now that uh, that's broken off of your life and that you really see the true value that uh, God places on you, that you're valuable, you know, and that you are a Proverbs 31 woman and that you are worth the wait. For sure. Yeah. And, and because you are a natural receiver, that's why you have to guard your sexuality because it's not just a physical exchange. Mm -hmm. It's a spiritual and a soulish exchange. And so you're taking on the burdens, the, the, the demons even of the person that you're engaging with, but in the protection of a covenant, right? Because then you, you bring God into the situation. Mm -hmm. He gives you the innate ability as a wife to understand your husband in a way that no other human being will be able to understand him, to be able to relate to him, to help him, to be a co-visionary with him, to see what other people's like when God gives a man a vision, he can't explain it to a lot of people. He doesn't even have the words at first, but there's something about that relationship that he has with his wife and she just gets it. It's like a pure a prophetic transfer. <laughs> Yes. So <laughs> again, your goal, uh, you know, even in the exploration of your gender is not about your, your, how much of a woman you are in the sense that we have put these roles in society, right? I do dishes, Victoria, um, Victoria works as hard as I do in our businesses. So just throw those things out the window. I tuck the kids in, I give them baths. I pray for him. She prays for him. It, it's like an equal, equal responsibility that we have together all of our life because we're partners. That's it's, right. It's a hundred, a hundred. She's right. given a hundred. I'm given a hundred. Victoria, I want you to talk about since they are, um, all the women listening and even the men, right? Because this is the kind of wife you're looking for mm -hmm. a wife who knows how to manage relationships effectively. Mm -hmm. You want a wife who is prayerful. These are the things we've talked about. And a wife who understands the power of her words. And if you can master those three things, right, then you'll be able to fulfill your assignment. And what is, what is the assignment of a wife, biblically speaking? 
So we talked a little bit about that right now, the being a helper to your husband, and that's relationally. Uh, respect your husband. Uh, that's a big one. Submit to your husband's leadership. That's written in Ephesians 5, 13, uh, 33. I'm sorry. Love your husband unconditionally. Use your words to affirm and support your husband. Be a trustworthy um, advisor and um, become efficient with resources as well as develop a strong business sensibility and don't be afraid to pursue your career and calling. And all this, all these things, like if you go through Proverbs 31, um, really you can read about all this and um, really see the qualities of a Proverbs 31 woman. So that's kind of where we got these steps from. And again, straight out of the book, I love you more, most and forever. So you should pick mm -hmm. it up because it's really, really good. And you know, people talk about Proverbs 31 and put this, uh, you know, mounting pressure upon the shoulders of women to almost be perfect, right? Yeah, or like a, some kind of a, a, a trophy. Like nobody wants to be a trophy wife. And I think that's there's so much rebellion going on against like with the feminist movement. You know, I don't I don't stand what the feminist movement is moving with, but I really understand why so many women have this uproar um, because I feel like that there has been a lot of oppression right. uh, in regards to that and that's something that has to change culturally and I think that's something we have to teach to our children it really does start within our home yeah I think the main problem is with the third wave feminism um, and, and again how I think it contradicts itself even mm -hmm. this ideology of multiple genders right it undermines and discredits the entire you know, female equality movement mm -hmm. to say that, okay, gender doesn't even exist anymore in the way that, that we've said it. So you mean the fight that we've fought for however long is just, it's just waste? And of course not, right? Women should be able to vote. They do vote. And I encourage you to vote. Women should be able to get an education. Um, a traditional education, an informal education. Women should have equal opportunities. Women should have access, access to healthcare, access to uh, opportunities in every sector, access to financial resources. Women should be paid according to um, what they bring to the table. And I think that um, just supporting kind of um, women in the workplace, I think if they step away to take care of their children for however long, a year, two, three years, that that should be looked favorably um, on a resume. Yes. Th that there should be some way to kind of um, look at that as some sort of skills that you were acquiring instead of a gap in your resume, which I think is a big problem for women. Mm -hmm. But kind of breaking down some of those a little bit more. Yeah, be a helper to your husband, respect your husband, submit to your husband's leadership. And if you listen to next week po week's podcast, this isn't a one-sided conversation, right? We're going to talk about the men. Respect the is a two-way street. That's you know, right. Submission is a two-way street, right? You know, before you say anything, um, there was a, the pastor kind of broke it down a little bit. She was teaching about this. And the way she put it really made me understand a little bit more. I think especially in my culture, Slavic culture, that there has been a lot of misunderstanding with, with female and male roles. Like male is like the dominant force. So she said, when you think about submission, if you break down those words as sub, under, and mission, 
Mm. So it's not like a person is under you. You're both under mission to mm, accomplish I something. Love that. And I love that because it really brought a lot of clarity to me to understand what both parties bring to the table. Yeah, for real. Um, you know, when it comes to submitting to your husband, right, this is a biblical structure for the marriage and the home. But this is not a societal structure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we've got it wrong, especially in the church, where we've said, oh, you know, because the Bible says wives submit to your husband, that means women submit to all men. Mm. And that's completely false. Oh, that's true. Um, and, and so it says wives submit to your own husband, not anybody else's husband. Submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. That means, you know, you've got this. Uh, respect and you're you're this co-laborer with him that you're 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 in it because of covenant which is uh, based on grace and mercy and you're not in it based on uh, the signing of a piece of paper you know there's a lot of layers to that but when you go out into the world right all women aren't submitted to all men in fact I wouldn't want my wife to go out here and submit herself, especially if that man is an unbeliever, which is, is a lot of the cases, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, um, and even in the church, right? This hierarchy in our homes should not necessarily uh, be reflected in kind of the structure of our churches. Women should be able to preach. They do preach. Women should be able to lead. They are leaders. It's in them. It's inherent within them. And a woman who is educated is a woman who will change the world. A woman who is able to pour her her knowledge, her experience, her compassion into her children is a woman who will change the world. You know, they say... Um, I don't know who says it, but I remember this phrase, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Um, And and in a sense, that's true because women uh, have just this uh, amazing, uh, distinguishable ability about them to empower others. You know, we, we talk a lot about the presidents and these mighty men that did these great exploits, but we don't ever talk about their mom. Or the woman that, you know, helped them become who they are, because it really does shape. So woman, you do have a very powerful place uh, for you. And it's it's not boxed in. There's so many things that you can do. Um, But again, whenever you get married, there are boundaries that are there to protect you and bless you. That's uh, we talked about this in the previous episodes as well, because a lot of times people think when they think the word wife, they think it's a restriction Mm. that now they're going to be restricted. But uh, there's there's challenges and things that are going to come in the marriage that a single person doesn't experience. But there's also a blessing and joy that you experience that a single person doesn't experience. And it all is within the boundaries that God places there to protect you. Those really are there to protect you. That's that's not true. Freedom is not to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. True freedom is uh, experiencing these these things like marriage within the proper boundaries. Um, that's when you really, you know, can f- experience the true joy of what it means to be married and, you know, mm. ha- multiply, have children. And- You're able to thrive. Yes. Marriage enables you to thrive. I think it's a beautiful, it's one of the most challenging 
institutions that you'll ever be a part of, but it's also also one of the most rewarding because you know, and I've done the research, right? Where we promote um, Christian marriage, economies thrive. Mm. The school dropout rate decreases. The most privileged people in the world. I want you to listen to this. And I know we've had conversations about race and and all of that. But really, if you set racist, uh, race to the side, the, mo- the most, really, in general, even above racial privileges, um, if you even even if you espouse to it, if you don't, right? But the most privileged people in the world are those born into a two-parent household mm. whose parents stay together, mm. and those people statistically have the most financial upper mobility. So do you you say to yourself, "Wow, if this marriage of mine or that I'm entering into uh, is affecting the world that much?" Shouldn't I take it a little bit more seriously? Mm, it's so good. It, it's affecting even people you will never meet. Mm-hmm. And it's about this collective consciousness that we have as, as a society have um, in, in our respect and, and how we view marriage, you know, marriage as this kind of. You know, if, if I don't feel like it, divorce is an easy option or marriage is kind of this thing that we do, but it's, you know, it's not all that serious. You know, you can still function without it. And the truth is the further and further we uh, remove ourselves from God's idea about marriage, the more and more we crumble as a society. And I'm, you know, so baffled. We're in a political year. Right. You got Trump, you got Joe Biden. And last night I was looking there. There's an independent party candidate as well. But none of them have stood on the stump proclaiming the solution to all a lot of our problems as a country comes back to the family unit and starts with the marriage. The government can't fix it, people. No, that's right. The government is not not going to be able to fix the problems that we're dealing with within our communities. And, you know, countries are made up of states. States are made up of cities. Cities are made up of communities and neighborhoods, homes that have families, families that are built on marriages, marriages that make the world go round. Listen, the, the culture will not shift because the government will wave some kind of a wand or place some kind of a policy or rule the the culture shifts within our home i think this is why we really feel called to speak to the family unit because it's really being under uh, the attack and we're seeing so many people uh not really understand that because we have people that grew up in broken homes and so they don't really actually see the beauty of uh, um, uh of a a two-parent household or a wife and a husband and, and working it's not together. That it's, it's not that it's going to be perfect. No. Uh, you know, marriage is, is kind of a messy thing. Imagine, you know, two flesh becoming one. It's a, it's a messy thing. Divorce is even messier. Let mm. me tell you, the word for divorce, it, it's it's this shredding and tearing of, of, of a person apart. It has this historical connotation of like being hung by ropes on all both of your legs and both of your hands and you being pulled in four different directions. That's really what divorce is. And avoiding that at all costs means that you are committed. 
If you can master marriage, you can master anything. If you can master marriage, you can master a business, you can overcome the odds, you can defeat um, sicknesses, you, you can overcome anything if you can master a marriage. And even going back to uh, Proverbs 31, as we wrap this conversation up, you know, this isn't an unattainable standard. But if you look at it, this woman is something else. She's virtuous. She's efficient with her resources. She's a businesswoman. She has this business sensibility about her and she's unafraid to pursue her career and her calling and not feeling like that she has to abandon her priorities within her family. I love this. It, it speaks of people like Deborah in the Bible who were very, you know, uh, very uh, socially conscious as well as career minded. Like they were able to hold it down at home and everywhere else. And here's the fact. This isn't just a standard for women, right? Because for every Proverbs 31 woman, there's a Proverbs 31 man. Hmm. And if you expect men to have a Proverbs 31 woman, and, uh, and, they, and and create and foster an environment in your home where she's able to arise to that potential, that means you've got to be a Proverbs 31 man. And we're going to talk about that. Yes, next week we are. You're going to be the cultivator. So you have a big responsibility. That's why we kind of started this conversation with women. Uh, and then we're going to tie both of those uh those uh, genders together or those roles together. Yes. And I'm so excited because this is all leading up to our two day summer love webinar that we're doing on July 22nd to 23rd. It's going to be 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every night, but there's limited space and you're going to have to sign up. We're going to have the landing page and stuff available soon. I'm going to put the link to my website in the description there on um, your Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. So click that link, go to RyanColeEmpowerment.com, stay in touch with us on social media and let us know how these uh, podcasts are are changing your life because I know they are. Yes, they have been really amazing, honestly for us too, because we've been sharing a lot of conversations that we um, might have not been able to, to share because we have little kids at home, but we're really enjoying this process even as, as a couple. Yeah, I know this podcast today was a little long. I'm glad you stayed in there with us. Um, stay tuned. Next week, we're going into part two of this uh, particular talk. We're, we're going to discuss the men. But until then, hit that subscribe, share, give us a review. And um, this has been Needed Conversations. God bless. Bye-bye.